You are listening to a sermon by Pastor Christopher Sally of New Life Christian Fellowship Church. How many folks are in it to win it? Amen. If you're in it, you might as well try to, might as well, amen. Today we conclude our look at the goodness of God. We've talked, as you well know, about the greatness of God, and we've talked about the goodness of God. We started out talking about the love of God, <clears throat> and the love of God says, I can reach you. Amen? And we talked about the peace of God. The peace of God says, don't be afraid. And then we talked about the forgiveness of God. The forgiveness of God says, keep it moving. Keep it moving. And we talked about the, whew, we talked about the mercy of God. And the mercy of God says, get in the game. And now we want to talk about the grace of God. The grace of God says you can win. Amen. I know I'm excited today. You don't have to be excited yet. You, you might get excited. You, you, you might not. But what I can tell you is I cannot think of a greater combination than grace and mercy. Amen. Grace and mercy is a, a is is the greatest combination. It, it I believe it incorporates all of the attributes of God as it expresses himself. It, grace and mercy. It's like salt and Salt and pepper. It's like biscuits and gravy, chicken and waffles. Who said something different than waffles? It's like green eggs and ham. Sam, I am. It's like milk and. What did I hear? Milk and cookies, people. Milk and cookies. Okay. Potato chips and hot sauce. Amen. That's. The combination. And just like probably salt and pepper, they're on your table. I mean, those are things that you use all the time. Everything is, again, when you go to Harold's, what do you get? You get mild sauce, salt and pepper. It's just something that you add. Salt and pepper. It's on the table. On the table of God, it's not salt and pepper. But on the table of God is grace and mercy. He sprinkles it on everything that he does. It's in integral to his, he, every recipe that he reveals to man, he always ends up putting just a little salt, just a little pepper, just a little grace, just a little mercy. When you think about salvation, and we've talked about it in Ephesians chapter 2, and we talked about this, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together with him by grace ye are saved and hath made us and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. So which is it, pastor? Is it is it by his mercy that we're saved? Yes. Is it because of his great love that we're saved? Yes. Is it because of his grace we're saved? Yes. The answer is yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. And it's hard to separate, if you will, grace from mercy. Just like if you put some, uh, if, you, if you get some gum stuck in the carpet, if you try to separate it, you always have a little carpet in the gum and you always have a little gum in the carpet. That's how closely it is associated. Grace and mercy is God's combination that he gives to us. Now, let me encourage you this way. Let me encourage you this way. And, and if you if you don't want to shout, that's fine. Don't just just if if it moves you just a, just just put up one little Baptist finger. You don't even have to put it up high. You could just do like this. If you just don't want nobody else to know you're excited about your salvation, just just do like this. In, 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 in Leviticus, I'm scared to even talk about this because it's so good. It, in, in Exodus 25, it says this. Sorry, Exodus. It says, you shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. And, and they, they talk about the mercy seat, which in the NIV, they also talk about the atonement cover. That's in Acts. Uh, excuse me. Uh, it, the Ark of the Covenant, again, they had a, it had a cover on it. And it, it, they called that the mercy seat. And then they had two cherubim or two angels and their wings connected over the top. And then they looked down like this. And the scripture says that above that mercy seat is where the the glory of the Lord said he said I'll meet you there above the mercy seat and you've got these you've got these angels and they're looking down and what's in the ark of the covenant there's three things in the ark of the covenant it's the law it's the Aaron, uh, Aaron's uh, staff that budded and there's a jar of manna all three of those things uh, help us to realize it that when, when, when the angels are looking at that, and the angels again are the messengers of God's justice. Amen? Justice. Justice is giving you exactly what you deserve, giving me exactly what I deserve. And if they look in, into that, from the atonement cover into the ark, they will see a reminder of shortness because we all come up short from the law for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Then you talk about Aaron's staff that budded. That happened right after Korah's rebellion. There's a reminder about rebellion there. And then there's the manna, which they complained about and God fed them. Again, there, there are reminders there of, of rebellion. There's reminders of complaining. There's a reminder of shortness. So if the angels look at at that, they will move with justice. And then Leviticus 16 tells them on the day of atonement, it says, take the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat. And before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle that blood. So what am I telling you? I'm telling you when the day when, when God would atone for their sins, as the angels are looking with their, with their wings touching and they're looking into the ark, here comes the priest and he would put the blood on top of the atonement cover. He would put it on top of the mercy seat. And now on that day, they are not looking at the law. They are not looking at rebellion. They are not looking at shortcoming. They're looking at blood. Okay. <laughs> That's just what God did for you and me at the cross of Calvary. He said, I should look at, at their just, I should, 
I should look at their shortcoming and their sin and their rebellion and their selfishness. I should. And I should release my messengers and, uh, of justice and judgment like I will in Revelation. And, I, and he will do that. But instead of that, I'm not looking to that. I'm looking to the perfect sacrifice on the cross of Calvary my son made. And I'm not looking at justice. I'm looking at the blood. And because I'm looking at the blood, I can now move with mercy. Instead of with justice. And then in Hebrews chapter 4, it says, seeing that we have such great a high priest that has passed to the heavens, it says, we, we, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That verse is telling us that what was once the mercy seat has been turned into a throne of grace. He said, I'll dwell with them there above the mercy seat. So that's what the throne of grace is reminding us of. That's where he dwells. He says, come to the throne of grace. And when you come to the throne of grace, you'll get mercy. But I'm going to add something special. I'm going to add something that you haven't had before. I'm going to move not just with mercy. I'm going to turn that mercy seat into a throne of grace. And you'll obtain mercy and find grace to help. In time of need, I, I think you should get excited about grace and mercy in combination. It's grace and mercy, and the throne of grace allows you to obtain both. It's like what we talk about at what happened at Calvary. At Calvary, he canceled debt. Amen. He forgave sins and he canceled debt. That's mercy. But the scripture also tells us that he became, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Mercy canceled debt. Grace credited righteousness. That's the difference between having all of your debts forgiven and then looking up and finding something special in your bank account. Amen. It's one thing to, to have negative and then go to zero, but it's one thing to go to zero to an amount that's in your account that you weren't looking for and don't deserve. Amen? That's, that's a better combination than salt and pepper. That's grace and mercy. Canceling debt and crediting. <laughs> crediting righteousness. And so when we look at James chapter 4, we, we see something here. And, and um, we're going to start in, we read into your hearing verses 6 to 10, but let's, let's take it back because I want to see, I want you to see where you came from or where, we are, where we're coming from, what perspective and context that God is telling us about this grace in verse 6. Verse 1 says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you do ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get 
on your own pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think the scripture says without reason that the spirit he calls to live in us envies intensely? But he gives us, come on now, more grace. Oh, wait a minute now. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. But he gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. What I'm suggesting to you and what I want you to focus on is verse six is the answer for all of the strife seen in verses one through Five, all of the strife. The source of your strife is you. Amen. Isn't it, isn't, it, isn't it pretty clear that the source of your strife comes from your individual desire? The source of your strife comes from your incompatible desire. It's incompatible with what God wants. Don't you know that the source of your strife comes from your insistent desire? You want what you want. And the source of your strife comes from your inappropriate desire. All of that is right there. Our desire and what we want naturally is individual, meaning it's, it's not a group dynamic. It, it, it's individual. This is what we want. You got to look at you. There's no other fingers pointing anyplace else. It's your individual desire, which is also your incompatible desire, insistent desire, and inappropriate desire. Amen. That's the source of the strife. And then the strength of the strife, what strengthens your strife is a world view. Amen. It's your worldliness. It says, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? So we're already starting uh, from a natural standpoint at a deficit. Because all of this is within us, and then we join up with the world and everybody else in the world, and that strengthens the source of that desire so that everything we do becomes magnified. It's like turning it from one to ten. High volume, high strife, high stress, inappropriate and inconsistent and incompatible desire magnified by the strength of the world. And then what I love about this is you tell you the source of the strife and the strength of the strife, but James doesn't leave us hanging. He tells us the solution to the strife, but he giveth more grace. Amen. Now, before we talk about how you access God's grace, you may be convinced in your mind that you're good without God's grace. You say, yeah, I'm good. I don't need God's grace to win. I'm in the game. I seem to be doing okay in my life. Game, the, the game is, is life. Life is game. Amen. I'm in the game. Seem to be doing Okay, I don't need God's grace to win. I don't need a grace advantage. I can win all by myself. Let me let you know a few things about God's grace and see if you want it. Amen. Let, let me do a grace infomercial, if you will, 
really quickly. Let, let, let me do a grace infomercial because you might believe that you don't need God's grace. Well, let me tell you the first thing about God's grace is God's grace is abundant grace. It's abundant grace. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. So again, what that scripture is telling us is but there was an abundant, there's abundant sin, but there's also what? Abundant grace. I love John chapter, that was Romans 5 and 17. I love John 1, 14 through 16 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is the only one begotten of the father filled with grace and truth. And John bear witness saying, uh, this is of whom I spoke and he came after me is preferred before me. And of his fullness, we have received grace after grace. Or blessing upon blessing, grace upon grace. It is abundant grace that God gives if you are standing in the person of Jesus Christ. But not, as, not only is the grace abundant, beloved, the grace is abounding. It's abounding grace. It, it, it says, moreover, the law entered and the, that the offense might abound. That's what the apostle Paul says in Romans 5. He says, but where sin abounded, y'all are not with me. Grace did so much more abound. He says, listen, sin abounds, but, but grace can leap over sin and, and abound even further. It's like being in a, in a long jump kind of contest and, and sin is able to jump this far. And then when grace comes up, uh, and then grace jumps out, jumps sin and says grace abounds even more than sin abounds. Why? Because we have a God that gets down like that. The grace is abundant and the grace is abounding. Not only is it abundant and abounding, beloved, it's abiding. It's abiding grace and the God of peace shall soon bruise Satan under your feet the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you amen again this is not grace that you have to order off of Amazon and wait for them to give you a delivery date it's like Lord I need your grace well order some and I'll get it to you the grace I'm talking about is abiding grace. And why is it abiding grace? Because the Holy Spirit abides within us. And so we always have access to God and we always have access to his grace. The Holy Spirit is a is a portal for grace. Amen. You, 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 you're not convinced that you're not convinced. I, I can tell. I can tell you. You want me to say, but wait, there's more. And how much would you pay for what I've already talked about? Three easy payments of $29.95, two payments of $19.95, or just $19.95. But before I give you the price of it, I just want to tell you, wait, there's more. I, I, might, I, I might need you to understand that it's also absolving grace. 
absolving grace. See, Ephesians 1 and 7 says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of his grace. And so where you stand as a sinful person, it says here in Ephesians 1 and 7, we have redemption of sin through his blood according to the riches of his grace. The grace God provides is absolving grace because it absolves you of the sin in your life and allows you to be in relationship with him. Not only is it absolving, beloved, that grace is able grace. It's able because Titus 2, 11 and 12 says, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we can live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The grace of God teaches us. Again, you're not excited enough. This is a grace that is given to you, and it teaches you how to live and the grace of God is teaching you how to live. And that means you won't have to avail yourself so much of the grace that he's already given. What I mean by that, it's not as if God is trying to manage an inventory of grace and he's parceling it out. We know that his mercies are new every morning. Amen. So we know great is thy faithfulness. We're not talking about God running out. But what he's saying is, listen, I want to teach you how to live by the grace of God. And when you when you avail yourself of the grace of God and he teaches you how to live, you and I will stop making the same stupid mistakes over and over and over that require us to avail ourselves of, God, of God's grace. We'll stop having so many missteps. We'll stop making so many misjudgments. We'll stay on the course and the path that God has purpose for our lives, and we'll stop sliding off to the right or to the left where God has to come get you. He's got to come get me. He's got to give you a course correction. He's got to pick you up. He's got to dust off your knee and tell you to get back in the game. He can just say, listen, by my grace, you'll just be in it to win it. Because you're availing yourself of the grace that is able because it teaches you. And these last two things I love, I love, I love. Not only that, the grace of God is an absorbing grace. It's an absorbing grace because it helps you last and it helps you to keep fighting. First Peter 5 and 12 says, uh, uh, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testify that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. It's that last part I want to emphasize. Peter is writing. He says, stand fast in the grace of God. Visually, here's what what is the difference between besides the the money? What is the difference between an amateur fighter and a professional fighter? Professional fighters. Don't get the opportunity to wear any headgear and any kind of any kind of um, um, something here on their on their on the, in their pelvic area. They don't have any padding. It's like it's a professional fight. No headgear, and you just get to get hit and those blows, and you just got to take them and absorb them. And that's 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 rough. But 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 by God's grace. God's grace provides you with professional headgear. 
it's, it's, almost, it's almost like cheating. You're going through life uh, and you got to fight an enemy, and we do have an enemy to fight. But, but, my, but now you don't have to just fight him straight up like that. You're able to fight him with that headgear on. You're able to fight him uh, with the belt on. You're able to fight him in such a way that the blows that the enemy gives you and that life gives you and all of the mistakes and the missteps and the missiles of the enemy can be absorbed by that headgear. What is that headgear? That is grace. He gives it to you so that you can keep fighting he gives it to you so that you can keep standing he gives it to you so that you can keep moving don't you want to be in a place where you have an advantage we're always talking about we want to hook up grace is the hookup giving you what you don't deserve Giving me what I don't deserve. Not just mercy, which is keeping us from what we do deserve. It's grace. Giving us what we don't deserve. We have an advantage that God gives us, and it is the grace that he gives us, and that grace is an absorbing grace. And last but not least, that grace is an abolishing grace. Abolishing grace because it eradicates problems and issues. Amen. It eradicates problems and issues. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to do what? Help in time of need. Don't you just want to holler help sometimes when you're in, in need? Grace is God's answer to your holler for help. He says, I can give you some abolishing grace and it'll abolish some of the the problems and again this doesn't have anything to do with you it's not because you're good it's not because you're worthy it's just because he's good and he's worthy it's not because that, that uh, of the relationship that he that that uh, you have with it's have with him it's because of the relationship he has with you you are his child and he sees you it's like being in heavy traffic and no, it's not moving. There's always this, there's always, and you appreciate this, if you are in heavy traffic, but they have an HOV lane, high occupancy vehicles only, you can move from a crowded place and then all of a sudden you're in the high occupancy lane where hopefully you are moving at a better place. If you have God in your vehicle, by definition, it's high occupancy, but it's also you got help. Amen. You've got somebody in that vehicle with you. So automatically you qualify to move to the high occupancy lane. Is it fair? No. Favor ain't fair. Amen. Why do people in the high occupancy lane get to move faster than the people in the crowded lane? I, I, I can't explain that to you. But I'm telling you, grace will abolish a lot of the problems and issues and challenges that everybody's dealing with over here. And he can put you in the high occupancy lane so that you can move at a faster pace. You can walk longer. You can fly higher and you can run faster because you have grace. I can't tell you how it goes, but I know that when you line up in the lane of life 
and they're talking about there's no wind. Uh, but, but suddenly when I get in the lane and I get in the blocks, suddenly only in my lane is there a tailwind that allows me to have a wind-aided race and run faster than everybody else. I can't explain it to you, but that's what grace looks like. That's grace. Don't you want to avail yourself of God's abundant, abiding, abounding, absolving, able, absorbing, abolishing grace? And what is the cost of all of this grace? $29.95, For you, it's free. And it's free because it's paid for. It's not free because it's cheap. It's not free because it's, it's been given away. No, it's been paid for. And it's been paid for that blood that Jesus shed on the cross of Calvary that allows God's justice to be assuaged and for him to look at the blood and not look at you. And what you did and the exciting thing is that mercy seat has been turned into an entire throne of grace where he dwells and you have access to him. And that's why I can say in Hebrews 4, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And you can be in it now. And you are in it. He put you in the game. And now he says, I want you to be in it to win it. And how do you access that sevenfold grace of God? James tells us right there in, Hebrew, uh, in James chapter 4 where he says, he giveth more grace. God resisteth the proud but give it grace unto the humble. Humility, beloved, is being in touch with what you can't do. If you don't think you need God, if you don't think you need to change your life, if you think everything is going along perfectly for you, you will not avail yourself of the grace of God yeah. because you will say, I've got it all together. That's pride talking. Let no man think more highly of himself than he ought to, but let him think soberly is what the scripture says in Romans. There are a lot of folks that are running around here thinking more highly of themselves than they ought. And they are missing out on the grace of God that can only be accessed if you have humility. But he giveth more grace. And if you want to be powered by God's grace, you have got to be humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Come near to God. And he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. 
grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Yeah. That last part, the other ones are somewhat more obvious, but what I, what I want, to, what the, the author is really saying in that grieve, mourn, and wail, and change your mourning to laughter, he is not saying to you and to me that we need to be sad. He's not saying stop laughing, stop having fun, stop going through life enjoying it. That's not what he's saying. When it, when it says to turn your, your, your um, laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom, grieve, mourn, and wail, it means you've got to understand like Israel Houghton's songs said, where would I be if not for your grace? Carrying me in every season, where would I be if not for your grace? Came to my rescue, and I want to thank you for your grace. He's saying, I just need you to be cognizant of, of, of how much God is doing for you. That's what he's saying. It's like, just reflect on that situation for a second. Every move that's happened in your life, every good thing that's happened to you, every challenge that God has helped you to get through, that's, that's God's grace. That's God's grace carrying you along. That's God's grace moving you from the regular lane to the high occupancy lane. That's God's grace allowing you to put on some grace headgear and stay in the fight and fight long and walk uh, walk longer and fly higher and, and run faster. That's all because of God's grace. And he says you need to be sobered by that. You need to understand that. You, you, you really, you got to recognize what God is doing in your life and recognize the situation. And if you do that, verse 10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord. And then guess what happens? And he will lift you up. You spend so much time, and so do I, trying to find a way to be more important than you are. The path to importance is through humility. Because if he lifts you up, you cannot be torn down. Through humility, you tap into, I can't do that. I'm not prepared for that. I'm not equipped for that. Only through your grace, Lord. Can I make it through this situation or make it through this circumstances, this phase of my life? I, I, I got to rely on you. I got to recognize you. I got to rely on you. I got to do everything that the Apostle James says. I, 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 I've got to come near to God and I got to resist the devil and I've got to wash my hands and I've got to have a clean hands and a pure heart. All of that has to happen. I know that's the path that you want me to take. And when I do that and I'm humble, I will have access to your grace. And when I do that, you will lift me up. And if you want to be in it to win it, this is the way you do it. You do it by humbling yourself and accessing God's grace, which is available and which is free to you because it's been paid for by him.